Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. He is back in Pennsylvania. I am in the wonderful state of South Dakota. We are also joined today by someone who used to go to Jacob's church. Uh, his name is Nick Charlton. So welcome to the show, Nick. Um, thank you. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And for reasons that will become apparent very shortly, we are uh, we asked Nick to join us today to discuss our discussion topic this week, which is why Christian education is so vital. Why is Christian education so vital? And Nick has written a lot of... Um, content and discussed and done a lot of study on this topic of Christian education. So we're very excited and fortunate to be able to discuss this topic with him today. So again, Nick, thanks so, so much for joining. We are very excited to chat with you. Excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So let's see. So trdshow.net is our show website. Go check that show website out. I spent this past week, because I was on vacation this week, I spent this whole week kind of working on a brand new feature set that's probably going to come out on the site within the next couple months, I would say. We're still working on setting up all the infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. And the timing on this could not be better if you are watching our YouTube channel or uh, were watching our YouTube channel. That is no longer an option for you. We had at least two of our videos removed this week and we had as many strikes on our channel, which means we can no longer upload videos to our YouTube channel. So, um, sorry, we did tell you months and months and months and months about 12 months ago to get off YouTube and to join the platforms that actually don't hate free speech. Uh, so if you're still there, that's, that's kind of on you at this point. So we're sorry about that, but we're not sorry. Um, also, Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com if you are frustrated, uh, as frustrated as we are at YouTube, which hates free speech. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. We would love to hear your thoughts. Also, of course, it's Discussion Topic Friday, so send us an emails with discussion topics. That would be awesome. Sign up for our newsletter, uh, which is on the show website. Also, this is your last chance to buy tickets for the conference in Knoxville, Tennessee. Actually, technically, if you can hear this right now, you're too late because the conference is happening because this is our Friday episode. So if you're not in Knoxville, Tennessee, then you're missing some great stuff. But you can go to flfnetwork.com and live stream the conference from there if you sign up to be a club member. So I would encourage you to go do that. It's going to be a great conference. Um, next week's show is going to be a little different. We are going to be putting up the interviews that we had with all the speakers from the conference. So People like Doug Wilson, uh, Jared Longshore, Pastor Toby Sumter. We're going to be hopefully interviewing each of those uh, within a couple minute uh, interviews with them. So that is going to be what most of our episodes are next week. So stay tuned for that. Um, usually we do the verse of the week and we have, um, if we have a pastor, if we're fortunate enough to have a pastor on at the show, which this week we do which is super cool, um, special guest Nick Charlton, we usually ask the pastor on the show to do the verse. And so what we'll do is I will turn it over to Nick, and then after he does that, breaks it down, I'll give his bio, and you'll know 
who you just heard from. So <laughs> we'll do it that way. <laughs> Might be a bit confusing at first, but we'll get there. Here, we'll, we'll do this. So uh, Nick, I'll pass it over to you. Thanks so much for volunteering. You're welcome. Um, oh yeah, sorry. I'll introduce the verse first. Our verse, if you've been listening this whole week, is Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. So there you go. <laughs> All right, so let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Galatians 6, 6 to 8. So this is a, this is a pretty cool verse. Uh, or portion of verses uh, right out the gate there, um, especially as we go to talk about education. Uh, we have this in verse six um, teaching going on here, right? There is a teacher teaching students. And the command here uh, written by Paul, but obviously by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is that the teacher should uh, be receiving good things from the ones uh, that he has taught. So that is financial blessings. That could be food, finances, whatever it is. This is a, a ministry. Uh, there is a lot of work that goes into studying the Word of God to being a minister of God's Word. Um, as a pastor, I mean, it is very common to spend at least 20 hours preparing just Sunday morning sermon. And then if you have Wednesday nights and different things like that as well, discipleship times, counseling, uh, hospital visitations, all that, it is very hard for a minister to do anything other than handle the Word of God. Mm. In fact, that's why we have Acts chapter 6 with the, with the, the institution of deacons, right? They were, they, the apostles were dedicating themselves to the uh, teaching and, and of the Word and, and prayer, and there was this problem with waiting tables and making mm. sure that people were getting food. Yeah. So what did they do? They instituted deacons. And so here you have a man of God um, who is teaching, and he needs to be provided for. And so what needs to happen? Well, there is a huge benefit from the, from the man of God teaching the word to those that are, are learning. Obviously, this is God's sufficient word, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative for all things, life and practice. And so he should be reaping something out of that from his students so that he can eat, sleep somewhere, have a roof over his head, clothes on his back, take care of his family. And so very, very good command, a command that's used many, many different places in Scripture. Um, but here in Galatians 6, just that strong reminder there. Um, and even in the previous context, you know, we're to bear one another's burdens. And uh, one of the burdens that the students can bear for the teacher is his, is his need to eat, sleep somewhere, and, and be clothed. Mm. And then I love verse 7. Uh, this is a verse that I memorized a long, 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 long time ago wow. as, a, as a teenager uh, dealing with, you know, thinking that any type of like what we might consider a small sin, mm. right? You know, my, my disciple at the time, big shout out to Kyle Gray. Um, maybe I'll get him to watch this podcast. I am a fan <laughs> of it myself. Oh, um, thank you. He said that it's not dust. You know, every time we sin, it's not dust that we wipe off our shoulder. It is the seed that is planted. Mm. Now, it's not something that can just be easily swept away. So it was kind of this idea of, um, take good stock of what you're doing. Like, do not count lightly anything that goes against the word of God, anything that does not bring him glory. Because anytime you sow that seed that is of the flesh, it will reap destruction. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is those that sow a seed um, 
from the spirit that reap eternal life. And so for me, it's always been a huge thing to say, okay, what TV shows am I watching? What music am I listening to? Yeah. What, what jokes am I laughing at in the workplace? Yeah. You know, whatever those things are, um, they're not dust if they're things that do not bring God glory. They are seeds, and seeds do something. They grow, um, and they produce a fruit. And what is that for you? Is that going to be something that reaps destruction, or is that something that reaps eternal life? So that verse mm. is stuck in my head ever since I was probably about 15 <laughs> years old. Wow. And it, it has been a verse that has led me to change my entertainment diet time wow. and time again. Is That's this great. bringing glory to God? Is it not? So yeah. great verse of the week uh, or verses of the week. Um, but I love that God is not mocked. You know, mm. he is um, He is true to his word. He is fair. He is just. He is the God of love, but he's also God of wrath. And he exhibits all those attributes simultaneously. Yes. It's not like to be loving means he's not wrathful or to be wrathful means he's not loving. But he will not be mocked, and there is an end result to the decisions that we make. Mm. So. Wow, that was great! Thank you so much for breaking that down and uh, all those insights and reminders. Absolutely, and, and and a huge part of that too is you know you were just discussing entertainment, and um, you know as Christians and as human beings, we don't generally spend all of our time you know watching entertainment, but one thing we spend more time doing than we think we do is learning. And so as we discuss today, why Christian education is so vital, a huge part of this sowing and reaping is what we sow in our education and what we sow in the places we go to gain knowledge and understanding. And if it's not the word of God, bad things happen. <laughs> We're going to reap very dangerous consequences. So yeah, this was a, a, a great breakdown. So thank you very much. So, okay. So that was a great breakdown, but who was that breakdown from? If you're a listener of this show, you don't know who that was. And I don't know who that was actually, because he's brand new to the show. He's a um, good friend of Jake's. So I'm actually getting to meet him just now, which is fantastic. But I do have a bio that I'd love to read. And then feel free, uh, Nick, to add to that and modify it how, how you will. Um, but uh, Nick sent over this bio. He said, Nick, uh, let's see, Nick Charlton is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, husband to his amazing wife, Rachel, and father to two wonderful kids. He has served in a variety of ministries following his seminary studies, including a pastorate um, student life at a Christian college where he was also a director of administrations. Nick is a strong proponent for life on life discipleship and champions it most in the home with his wife as they homeschool their children. That is awesome. Since fatherhood, his understanding and conviction concerning biblical education is both broadened and deepened as he seeks to raise his children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. So that's really, really cool to hear someone who is passionate about Christian education, understands how vital this is. Why do you think that's so uncommon to find today? I mean, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with parents who, I mean, that position is supposed to be the pinnacle of uh, giving up your life for someone else, right? Like if you have kids the understanding of you, like that feeling of I would give my life for my children is supposed to be indescribable to someone who doesn't have children. And yet education is seemingly something they take for granted. They just, you know, it's just free daycare during the day. Why do you think so many parents today take that for granted? 
Well, I mean, the answer is going to go uh, straight to the juggler right off the bat with that question. But, um, <laughs> you know, one thing that has been laid on my heart for quite a while is I think society is where it's at is because um, men are not being biblical men. They're not mm. being biblical husbands and they're not being biblical fathers. Mm. Um, and really, when they are not championing, um, you know, discipleship in their own life, pursuing Christ in their own life, yeah. having that standard of excellence, um, it kind of kind of goes by the wayside you know mm. i we need to see men championing that in in their relationships with their wives and the relationship with their kids and i've always said that i think there's two things that will change society around it's men being biblical men modeling after you know life of jesus or you know you know just the word of god and then um, having a biblical education for the next generation mm. and so if we have yep. those two things i i think it will it will change so much and the big verse for me um that is kind of like my launching point for understanding just how vital this is, is Luke 640, where it says a disciple is not above his teacher, mm. but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Yes. Uh, and in the home, a dad is a teacher. A mom is a teacher as well. But yep. God has ordained for things to be patterned after. Uh, you know, the dad just has a, a different kind of role. And when they are not something worthy of emulating in the home that is holding mm. their stumps to the standard of Christ. Yeah. Uh, I think the family goes by that weight as well. Wow. That's um, a good point. So, so yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good point to make. Um, so switching kind of changing gears just a little bit. So from, from your perspective, what is the strongest reason for not sending your children to the government and i read through you wrote uh, i think it was like a six page thesis paper on education which was phenomenal um i noticed you were a greg bonson fan so that's yes. awesome so you know feel free to use greg bonson in your answer if you'd like that would you know extra points for that for sure <laughs> i got that book from your dad bruce so, oh uh, love it okay yeah, very cool yeah, yeah. Very cool. uh, yeah, so the big the big reason uh, to avoid public school would be the indoctrination of an anti-biblical worldview. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, the big question is, is like, I grew up in a public school. I grew up in a very Christianistic culture. Um, I was born and raised in Bermuda. There's more churches per capita than probably anywhere else in the world. Um, I was never made fun of for my faith in, wow. in my, in my, by my friends and everything like that. And everybody had kind of an, a a verbal acknowledgement to the things of Christ in one way or another. You got to look back and you might say like, well, I had a good education, right? I learned good things and, and all of that. But in all of my studies, Christ was not the, the end, right? Mm. The glory of Christ was not the end. And I think about Colossians, I think it's chapter two, it says like all the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge yes. are hidden. In yes. um, and so for me, going through that education, and, and kids today, it's even worse because it's just more, it's less subtle. It's less covert. It's way yep. more in your face than it was when I was growing up, but they're not receiving a Christ centered education. Uh, yep. They're receiving math instruction. Um, but my big thing is always when people go, well, math is a neutral kind of subject, right? <laughs> it's just communication facts. The big question you have to ask your teacher, um, whether you're in public school, private school, or, you know, homeschool, wherever you're at, is why is two plus two four? Mm. Um, you know, why is it? Um, and the Christian will answer because God ordained it to be so. Yes. Uh, God is a God of order. God is yep. a God of absolutes. And so mm. two plus two will always be four. 
Um, but if you ask your math teacher, he would, he, in a, in a non-biblical context, he'll have to say, that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. and, and so they, can't, they can't justify it. And even there, we are missing part of the glory of Christ that can mm. be learned through math because math is something that God created and God created all things to point back to himself. Romans yeah. chapter one. Yeah. So that would be the biggest reason to avoid public school is uh, you're not going to be receiving a Christ centered education, but even worse than that, you're receiving the, the opposite of it, yes. which is an unbiblical education. Yes. Well, uh, and a couple months back we went through uh, Bradley Heath's book, uh, Millstones and Stumbling Blocks, which is really good book on Christian education. Uh, we had our mom on who's, you know, obviously a homeschooling mom. And so she discussed, um, you know, the fact that parents are trying to train their kids like the way that the government does. And she said that was the biggest thing because she has a, a teacher's degree, an education's degree. And so, you know, we asked her, how did that benefit you? Um, how can parents who don't have that also train their children? And what she said was that was a, more of a hindrance to her because she, she had to unlearn how to teach like the government teaches in order to train her children properly, which was fascinating to me. And one of the things that Bradley Heath was talking about in his book was that they're not broken. Government schools are not broken. You know, the, the, the failing and plummeting academics that we see today, the horrendous uh, lack of morality we see from government school children, that's the point, right? It's not broken. It's working exactly the way it was designed to do. Which is why all the time on the show we don't we don't say we need to reform the government schools we need to fix the government schools because they're not broken there's nothing wrong with the way that they're functioning we need to abolish the government schools they need to be ended so that's kind of my next where I want to take this conversation next we have about 13 minutes left which is kind of crazy to me um, <laughs> but what do we replace with what do we replace the government schools with after if in a, in a perfect world in the kingdom of God, which is what we're working towards here, what do we replace the government schools with? And why is it so important that we start thinking about that now? Yeah, great question. So um, if people have the conviction that, okay, I cannot send my kid back into an unbiblical context where they're going to be indoctrinated towards things that are anti-biblical and anti-Christ, um, the end goal in my mind is always to get them into a homeschool context. Mm. Yep. 100% agree. That would be the pinnacle, right? And I, you used that word earlier. However, I do think that if a mass exodus happened, there's a lot of times that aren't prepared to do homeschooling. And it's not because they need to be, you know, to go get a teacher's education or anything like that, but they might both parents might be working. They might not be financially in a place where, you know, there's adjustments that have to be made. Hmm. So I've always looked at the private Christian school as, um, as a halfway house. Yes. You know, where you might use something like that to bridge the gap between leaving public school and the end goal, which in my mind is always homeschool. Mm. Uh, and that's not to knock Christian schools. I was actually working at a Christian school for a while um, with these convictions because I I saw the importance of a of each community having someone that was championing a biblical education uh, to influence pastors, parents, students, you know, and everything. But in my mind, I was like, how do we make a sustainable model where a Christian school can exist when the Christian school is trying to put themselves out of a job? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I don't know of any Christian school 
not that I've done research on this, that would have that model because it would be just so hard to fathom how to make that work. But in <laughs> right. my mind, if we want to see public schools end, then we need to start working. I, I think people like Bodie Bauckham and, and some of these guys have, mm. have actually, you know, thought through this and go, you know, at a convention level, um, uh, how do we start preparing for mass exodus? If people start yes. saying, yes, this needs to change. So what do I think needs to happen? I do think we need some good Christian schools. Hmm. I think the church needs to um, champion discipleship. Um, this is actually something I talked to your parents about um, was um, someone like your mom, someone like my wife, taking another family under their wing and doing homeschooling with them for a month and say, Hey, we will yeah. do this with you yeah. and we will train you and we will show you what, and we'll show you that it's not that difficult. Mm. Um, it may be demanding, but it's not difficult. Anybody can do this. Yeah. Um, you follow Christ and then teach your kids to follow you. And as you grow in Christ, they'll grow as well because no one is better than their teacher, but once they're fully trained, they'll be like your teacher. Mm. Yeah. So that discipleship is happening from the church. I, I mean, that's something that would excite me through. I mean, I could, I could throw <laughs> life behind that um, just yeah. to prepare families to leave one context and get to the other. Treat it like a marathon, not like a sprint. Yeah, I do think church needs to champion discipleship, and we do need to have some halfway house for those that just feel like, man, we're not there yet. Mm. Um, we, we need to write our finances. We need to downsize. We've been living off of two incomes. We need to go to one. Okay, how do we do that? Let's buy them time. That's that's mm -hmm. what I would suggest. Yeah. Um, so one real quick thing, because you mentioned um, mass exodus. Our mom would always talk about um, how what happened during COVID and how all of the schools shut down and everybody had to kind of go to a home learning uh situation or experience and not a lot of people were equipped to do it well actually i would say the majority of people were not equipped to uh educate in the home hmm. and so it gave people a lot of like a, a bad taste in their mouth as to what homeschooling was um and i was just wondering if you agreed with that sentiment that 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 was a really like a bad situation to show what homeschooling was or do you have a different perspective on that? Yeah, good question. So I do think that too, um, I was talking to a, a single mom. Uh, she was a widower. Um, and when COVID happened, she had four kids and then she had to go into this homeschool model. Now you, maybe she had a first grader, third grader, sixth grader, and eighth grader, right? That is a very difficult thing to do, to go from never teaching your kids in some form of context, educationally, like academically, obviously we're always teaching something, but in that academic standard to manage four different curriculums of four different <laughs> levels. Yeah. You know, two kids had some form of learning disabilities. <clears throat> but yeah, that's, that's like just initiation by fire and that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can understand why that maybe wouldn't be a true test of what it is. If they started with one kid, and it's like, oh, we put our first kid through this homeschool, and now kid number two is like nothing would be new. And then having four after that is, is very easy. But I think also something very significant happens in, in that COVID thing is a lot of families left the public school system and even, even the private school system because they didn't like how things were being run. Right. They didn't want their kids to wear a mask, let's say, or they were tired of, you know, kids being six feet apart and not being able to play. And for many of those families, what happened is they went back to public school once all the, all the mandates were gone. Now, why is that? Well, 
the motivation for doing homeschooling is the glory of Christ, mm. is discipleship and growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so when your motivation is like avoiding mandates, once public school <laughs> becomes easy again and convenient, yes. there's not a strong enough motivator to keep you in a context that is like you said, kind of difficult just because you were plunged into it without a moment's notice. And so if we want to see this max exodus happen, I think, I think COVID was a good catalyst uh, for waking people up because there was a lot of things going on, um, not just from a COVID standpoint, but also just, you know, um, critical race theory and, and all of those things going on as well. We're all being screamed at the same time is if people are going to stick through the hard transition they have to have a powerful motivator. To give you another analogy, uh, my wife and I have done a lot of like couples work, right? So either premarital counseling or kind of like uh, helping a married couple that's struggling. And it's funny when you, you know, you'll hear like a wife say a lot of times, like, I can't believe my husband did that to me. If he loved me, he would have never done that. And the big thing Rachel and I had to train these, these couples to understand is that my love for my wife will never be a powerful enough motivator for me not to sin against her. Mm. You know, it has to be my love for Christ. Um, mm. That's going to be a yeah. powerful motivator. Like I sin against my wife because I sin against Christ first. Yeah. And you know, back to the school context is if someone's going to stick through doing something that is difficult, the motivator can't be something superficial. It has to be the glory of Christ, obedience to the scriptures, yes. and wanting to raise in the admonition of the fear of the Lord. And yeah. that's what you need to get them to. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and that, I think, cuts to the heart of the issue I think the biggest problem today is that because so many people, so many Christians don't understand and, and don't have a Christian worldview. They don't know what a comprehensive Christian worldview actually looks like. So they look at the government schools and they don't see a problem aside from critical race theory, the transgender thing, and maybe one other issue. What they don't understand is that just like Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, without the fear of the Lord, we can have no knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So they don't understand that you have to start and end with the word of God in all of your education if you actually want to have a real Christian worldview. And we're not even talking about the secularists. We're talking about Christians here. I mean, so many conservatives and Republicans we, we talk to and we listen to even, they just don't get it. They're like, oh, guess we have to get them out of the government schools right now. Or we can just get rid of critical race theory and then everything will be great <laughs> and we can go back to normal and it'll be like old times and wouldn't that just be wonderful, right? And it's just like, I just want to sit there and bang my head against a wall because they just don't get it. Like, <laughs> don't understand how deep this goes. I mean... It's been around from the beginning. It's been around since Horace Mann started the government schools in the in the mid to late 1800s. I mean, they were designed to produce factory workers and then hijacked by the Marxist movement. And now they're producing Marxist factory workers, <laughs> like robots who are Marxists and definitely don't have a Christian worldview. So from yeah. the very beginning, they should already have been dismantled, whether they were you know, advocating for prayer in the schools or not. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, so, I mean, to, to bring up Bonson now, just because I think <laughs> it's appropriate time, it. is his handling of Romans 1, uh, eight, 18 and on, is, is just phenomenal. And what, what the Christian needs to understand 
about the government system, right? Is that like when you're educated by people that may seem like nice people, uh, you know, they might be teachers that don't swear, they don't ever say anything that's seemingly inappropriate or anything like that. Everybody is a believer, mm. right? And that's kind of like the starting assumption is that God has revealed himself clearly to mankind so that everybody knows God is morally accountable to him. Mm. So what yep. you're doing when you're sending your kids into a government system, whether you have a Christian teacher or not for that grade, is that the system is a product of a group of people rejecting God, even though they know God, and yet they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Yes. And so why did we get critical race theory? Because it's a downstream error of a worldview problem that is mm. foundational to the textbooks that they choose, yes. um, you know, how they're going to, you know, which facts they're going to share uh, and, and, and all of those things. And so when we go from the standpoint of like, this isn't about people just not knowing God. And if they knew God, it'd be better. It's they, God has said, no, they know me and they're going to be morally accountable to to me and my wrath is upon them because although they're in contact with the truth, they're constantly suppressing it. Um, and what is the end result of the rest of chapter one? It is they now live a life of spiraling downward into depravity mm. because they are rejecting um, God. And the only way to make sense of the world around us is if we acknowledge that God is the creator of it and sustainer of it. Um, yes. And so public schools that are run by the government will always end where we have found them today because it is just a downstream error of a foundational problem, which mm. is their worldview, their presuppositions. Um, yes. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, spot on. Wow. This has been a great conversation. I can't believe it's been a half hour already. Um, <laughs> Nick, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Any final thoughts, anything you'd like to just, just to end on last words. Yeah. For, for those listening, I mean, I'm sure that this type of podcast generates a certain type of interest. So, but if you're on the fringe and you, you've come to this and going like, man, uh, there's something to this, go talk to your pastor, um, you mm. know, go and, and say, Hey, I have a conviction that I need to make some changes. I don't know how to get there. Um, you know, yeah. and yeah, you know, a lot of times we say like, I've had one to homeschool. Well, you know, that is a, that's a wish. It's not a plan. Like there has to be a plan in place. So go to someone, an elder in your church, a pastor, someone that's homeschooling, someone that is imitating Christ and ask for help and just be ready to learn and just take it one step at a time. Uh, one step towards Christ each and every day is something to celebrate. Even if you don't think you're at the end goal, which you think you should be move forward in that process of sanctification and continuing to follow the scriptures and God's going to bless it and goes back to Galatians chapter six, right? He will yeah. those that, uh, you know, sow seeds, yeah. uh, that lead to righteousness, you're going to, you're going to reap the rewards of, of eternal life and eternal life, not just the sense of living forever, which is what we associate with, but eternal <laughs> life, the, all the blessings that come with that. And there's many mm. blessings that come as part of that salvation package. So chase after Jesus, homeschool your kids, and when I say homeschool your kids, biblically homeschool your kids. Um, do it in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And the results that will be reaped, you will never regret. That's awesome. Wow. Well, Jake, any uh, finishing thoughts before we wrap up? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for uh, joining us. Yeah. Today. 
Thank you so much. Guys, it was, it was a blast. Thanks so much for having me. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you all so, so much for listening to us. Don't forget trdshow.net, show website. Check it out. Send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. And uh, again, thank you. <clears throat> a little bit of a residual cough from last week. Uh, at least I'm back to hosting. So there's that. Uh, don't forget, everyone. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. And in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>